All right, folks, welcome to this episode of the Jackson Lucas Impact Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Papa, as always with the other host, Lisa Flicker. How are you, Lisa? I'm great, Chris. How are you? I am great. We had a very special episode today, uh, close to my heart. We met with associate professor at Montclair State University, Joe Nicholson. Joe is in charge of the new graduate certificate in the real estate development at Montclair State. Uh, and he teaches in their real estate undergrad department as well. And super passionate about real estate, about teaching, about you know all the things that we really care about, you know, underserved markets in real estate as far as uh, talent base is concerned. And um, yeah, I just think what they're doing with it, with it, Montclair State, State's a special university. And I think what they're doing is, 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 is great for those students and definitely needed in the industry. And I love that they're the, the only asynchronous master's program, right? In is development, that what you said? In development and development. development program. So I feel like for folks who are working and want to do this while they're working, it's extremely valuable. Yeah. And we did a panel with them uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were there, the and I hadn't, I hadn't been on campus in 20 years. And it's, man, it's a beautiful camp, right near the city, near Manhattan. Um, so anyway, everyone, please check out the program. Please listen to the, the podcast. Please uh, send it to your friends, rate and review the podcast, and send us any questions you may have. And also, we're always open to, if you have uh, recommendations for uh, guests you want to hear, please let us know. And with that, enjoy the podcast. Enjoy. So Joe, Professor Joe Nicholson, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? All right. Thanks for having me. I'm good. Um, we're here with my co-host, Lisa Flicker. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Chris. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. A little behind the scenes. We had a podcast earlier today. So Lisa's on a vacation um, down in New Orleans, and she just spends all day with me online. It's great. Exactly, exactly. This is, uh, I'm going to bring the Jazz Fest in here into my room so we can hear some background music, maybe. Just say, do you at least have a good view from there, Lisa, or, or you know, what you're missing out on? Or You know what? I'm good to go. I have the greatest <laughs> job in the entire world that I, I would actually prefer to be sitting here doing this with you guys than out drinking and listening to music. I'll get to do that later. This is, I, I feel very fortunate to be here. Don't, don't cry for me. Oh, thanks, Lisa. So, Joe, you're the Associate Professor of Accounting and Finance at Montclair State University. Is that correct? Yes, sir, it is. And you, we connected because you're, you're the main, the, the head honcho of the real estate development, well, the whole, all the real estate program at Montclair State University in New Jersey, right? But now we connected because you were, you are starting a real estate development certificate program, correct? Yes. Yeah, so it's a, it's a graduate level certificate and uh, we're combining that with the, the possibility of the students moving on to get an MBA concentration in real estate development as well. But uh, when I came here 10 years ago, it was for the undergraduate general uh, real estate program. It's, it's sort of centered around real estate finance and real estate development, commercial real estate is the best way to put it. So we just did Jackson Lucas teamed up um, with Montclair State University 
a little behind the scenes. One of my friends is the head of graduate admissions and they were wanted to get this, this uh, program out to the world. And uh, we, we helped organize a panel event that Joe was the moderator of at Democracy State University. And we had a lot of, you know, big wig developers there talking about development. Um, and there was a ton of students uh, in the audience. We were in an auditorium and they had food and people were networking and it was amazing. Um, and man, I haven't been to Montclair State in a long time and the campus is beautiful. I have not been there in 25 years, probably. Yeah, uh, in the 10 years I've been there, it's, it's changed dramatically and it, it really does look like Stanford almost now. So because that the first president, when it became a university, from what I understand, the first president came from Stanford, which is why you have the whitewash oh, okay. stucco look with the, the beautiful red tiles. But but yeah, um, I was talking to my wife last night about this, and she's a culinary director, has students working for waiting tables and things of that nature. And one of them was talking about how they got into Montclair State and got into Rutgers and they're going to Montclair State. And they just said, I was amazed by the facilities. And that's that's one thing that we have as far as innovation facilities. Uh, I think that's why we had such a big draw. I mean, we doubled. I want to say we had 50 percent increase in enrollment last year in the in the school business. And uh, our program doubled in size, the, the real estate undergrads. So we've when a lot of people are down and, and, you know, trying to get students, we're bringing them in in droves at this point. I feel. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I grew up in New Jersey. I was uh, I, I visited Montclair State, a bunch of friends. I went to Montclair State. I went, ended up going to Rutgers. Uh, it feels like a small private school, but I there's a t at Montclair State, but like it's not small. I know, but I'm saying, like, I, was say, yeah. like, I looked at the undergrad uh, or the the admissions there. I mean, it's what is it like twelve thousand? It was a lot of. I, I believe overall we have twenty five thousand now. Yeah, so it was wow. It was big. Yeah, it's and that, and I I put that as far as that's about what Ole Miss is, University of Mississippi, and uh and we're on a quarter of the acreage they are. So when you say it's a you know small school, I wish it was a small yeah, school because then I could find parking somewhere. You know, <laughs> but, uh, well the atmosphere <laughs> feels like a small kind of private school. That's what it felt like when I was it, walking. It really, around. it really is like at the college level, like the school of business or the college of arts and sciences. It's it's like a little community, right? And uh, I had a meeting on Tuesday with an outside developer and uh, the I want to say that the dean of the graphic design school was there and of course i, I had no, never met him you know he's, he's probably like two buildings over it's just so big now that uh yeah it, it you kind of stick to your own little world i guess the best way to put it so i know chris knows but would you mind telling me what what real estate programs are available at the undergraduate versus the graduate level and what a lot of the folks are kind of preparing for as careers when they graduate Right. So, you know, the, the big misnomer, and I appreciate you asking that, is that you're coming here to get a license and sell houses. You know, I, I had a I had a student, I have 130, 120 students, something along those lines that, you know, it alters every day, right? But um, they will, I had five, I think, last semester, email me and say, well, why am I majoring in there or getting my concentration in college in real estate when I just get a license? I said, you're exactly right. Go get, take the two-week course and go sell houses if that's what you want to do. We are, and the reason we're in accounting and finance is, is those are the two things that we do mm. uh, along with what's called urban economics or city planning. So or that's the theoretical side of city planning. Um, what we do is kind of like a five, on the undergrad level, a five-course sequence, uh, general principles, things of that nature. 
which is a little bit of real estate law and how the physical world of real estate works versus the financial world of real estate. And, and those two really have to come together to, to make value, right? When you see the price on a, a piece of property, that's what's happening. But how is real estate compared to other asset classes and in investors' eyes versus uh, what are the cash flows, right? So those two have to, to combine to create value. Uh, on the physical side, we, we have commercial real estate investment analysis. So think of this as like a corporate finance project. And, and you're running the numbers, what's the internal rate of return, what's the value on the property, and different lease structures, because there's a lot more to it than people realize. And when I say commercial, uh, for the people out there that don't know, I mean uh, multifamily, which would be apartments and condos, industrial, office, and retail is what we're learning. Um, not not single family development or anything like that. Then uh, those kids will move into a, a real estate development course. So they're learning a whole course on financial feasibility and then legal feasibility, uh, physical feasibility, and then how the project management role works and who are the elements you deal with. Um, on the other side, on the finance, real estate finance side, we, they have a mortgage banking class, and then they move into capital markets, which is basically where all the funds are coming from. Um, at the graduate level, we, we take that one course, uh, that, that capstone course in the undergrad real estate development, and we expound on it. So now you're taking three classes in that, basically with a real estate development certificate, uh, or it could be a concentration in the MBA program. So you're taking a specific real estate development law class. Uh, again, you're doing commercial investment analysis, and then you're doing uh, a financing and securitization course geared towards construction financing and development financing. And then we wrap it up with the real estate development. But again, uh, you know, the, the goal of this grad degree, and you know, I know Chris has heard this a few times, is to get people over that hurdle of, of getting a development analyst position or a project manager position, because those are some of the toughest jobs to, to break that barrier getting into the industry, simply because it's, it is a hands-on, day-to-day, two-year training process for somebody, you know, and, and this allows the individuals to come in at the grad the graduate certificate allows individuals to come in and add value day one and and not have to quite frankly be invaluable for a year or more and it gives them a much higher probability of getting hired into those positions which are the most lucrative ones there are out there and then that's why we created this is we had so many people that were coming in from property management uh working on the investment banking side in the city but lived in New Jersey and they said, we want to take this as a, uh, we want to take courses in New Jersey, even though we work in the city, it's on our way home. It's get more convenient. And then this morphed into an in-person thing and then COVID happened. And here we are doing a fully asynchronous. In fact, the only one in the country, fully asynchronous master's program in, in real estate development specifically. Joe, I, I was, I, I went to school. I, I, I have a, I had a big, I went to college, under college and I had a big interest in real estate, but I also ended up, uh, I didn't have any really classes in that. I don't, I don't think when I was in college and then probably didn't have them. And then I, uh, I studied American, I studied humanities, literature, history, all that type of stuff. I learned how to write, read and write and all that jazz. Uh, when I got out of school, I wanted to get into real estate. I didn't know what to do. Like do, and then, 
I, I didn't know. I didn't have the finance background. Do I, do you need a certain type of undergrad to, to, to in order to, to excel in this? Could I have, so, could I have done, could I go walk in day one and be like, and learn all this stuff? Or do I need like the like prerequisites? Absolutely. Like so go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Well, Lisa was an accountant, so she probably would have a better, she, oh, she, had, a, she had a good background. Come on over, Lisa. Yeah. So, um, yes and no. It, you're what you're going to walk in with an advantage if you have an accounting or a finance background. Uh, but from day one, like the first two weeks for somebody like Lisa, it would be a review more than anything for you it would be learning something new. So we take it and make sure that everyone is on the same page from a math perspective uh, after the first two weeks. And it's and the math isn't really difficult. It's called time value of money. That's kind of the foundation of stock analysis bond analysis, commodities, real estate, anything, corporate finance, project decision-making. But it's just, it's knowing what it means when you increase one thing or decrease another, how does that going to affect the output? And it's really the learning process of how to think when you're running the numbers. Because I don't need, nobody needs somebody just to run numbers anymore, right? It's, it's a different ball game nowadays. You got AI that can do that. So, but what... The AI isn't doing yet is interpreting what's happening. Can't put a feel and hands on a project from experience and say this this will or will not work. These rents are are not acceptable. We're going too high. It's going to increase our vacancy rate. Things of that nature because they aren't. It, it just isn't there yet. And that that's what we're doing. But to answer your question, yes, this design is set up for anyone to come in and as long as you want to put the work in, be able to get out in six months, very structured directed program for only $8,000 for nine credit hours, which can go towards your MBA if you decide you want to get your MBA at Montclair State as well. So you're already a quarter of the way through that. So they're just, you know, it, it's, you don't have all the electives and, and fancy stuff over the side. It is, here is how the process works. Here will this will be your job, and here's what you need to know to add value. Is it generally tailored to folks who are currently working? Yes. So that the asynchronous part, uh, it means they can go at their own pace, but it's three eight week sessions. So as long as they finish it up within the eight weeks, they're they're good to go. I don't recommend waiting to the last minute. Uh, I would definitely go week to week and stay on top of things because it's it's a good bit of material. Uh, you, I'm not, not going to sugarcoat that, but at the same time, it's, uh, I, I, I put this, there's no fluff. Is that, I guess the best way to put mm -hmm. it. I love that. And I feel like oftentimes people want to know what does it take to be a great asset manager or a great investments professional. And I feel like the understanding of the actual physical, you know, we we're talking about this earlier, like it's not just a widget, it's actually a a piece of property with its own culture and its own. So the ability to kind of have all of the different pieces. Have you ever worked with any companies that might come to you and say, hey, you know, we want to take all of our property managers and train them. Would you put together some kind of bespoke solution for them to train, you know, 10 property managers on some of the financials? So it, you, you're talking about giving them a better background in the uh, the quantitative side of things, right? Is there more right. hands on the ground? That that's also kind of my my dream student will be a, a property manager or someone who's in a large real estate firm, but is in the back office accounting. Mm -hmm. Right. So that property manager knows things that I don't know. 
quite frankly, it adds value in that classroom because like you were saying, they're hands on. Right. 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 They they feel the asset and say, whoa, those those expenses are too low or that that rent's not going to work in this market or that environment. They that's the last actually the last three weeks of the course is on property management, by the way, because you don't just develop and sell anymore. You retain the asset because you have ebbs and flows in markets, just like stocks, bonds, anything. Right now we're, we're at an ebb, right? The lowering because rates are high. And uh, and asset prices are still high a little bit. But um, get to the point, in this environment, that's when a project manager adds more value than almost anyone. They smooth out your cash flows. Instead of making money for you know for five years and killing it and not making much of anything for three, you're steady now. And a, a good, great property manager is worth their weight in gold. Oh, okay. And there's a lot of demand for that out there. So we spend, we yes, we do spend a good bit of time. And I would love to have that person come in and that with their experience and add to the financial models that we use. So, you know, actually, in my experience, 30 percent, 30 percent expense ratio for this type of building is more like 25. And that that 5 percent means something. Right. So they they that is one of the best ways to get into real estate development is being a, a property manager. We went over that uh, in our in our launch our launch party or event, whatever you want to call it. But, um, but yeah, there, there's all types of individuals, everybody, some people are going to be more quantitative minded. Some people are going to be more qualitative minded, but again, our whole goal here was to take both those types of individuals or maybe even somebody that's an art student or, or whatever. And, and say, here's what you need to know the first two weeks and, and work real hard. And you're going to be, everybody will be in the same level. When we're done with those two weeks. Yeah, if somebody comes in as an accountant or, or a property manager like that is, I mean, as a recruiter and, you know, they're every company is like wants to hire. If they have an accounting background, like they love that. Somebody who knows how to do accounting. They know okay. they love somebody that knows like if you know the, how the property operates and the physical actual property. And that is so valuable because a lot of these folks who are on the investment side, um, especially on the private equity side, they're like bankers. And it's like, like Lisa said, it's just a widget. And real estate happens to be the widget that they're investing in, but they don't know actually how it operates, right? And so they have to hire somebody who knows how to do that. Yeah, that person adds so much value to, to me as, as a developer. Um, and it, I guess a good example, Gus Milano, you know, who was on our panel, the, the CEO of Hearts Mountain, the, the largest developer in the state, from what I understand. And uh, Gus said the way that he became so good at what he does and quite frankly he's a legend in new jersey but the way he became that way is he, you know he they didn't have much money growing up uh he went to montclair state on scholarship and uh and did accounting while he was a cons- working in construction so he saw the numbers and knew whether or not the numbers are realistic it's one thing for us guys like me to sit there and, and plug numbers in it's another thing for somebody to come in and, and know every little thing about it like what goes into that spreadsheet and whether or not it's realistic. So uh, if, for example, uh, my son just, just started uh, college this year and I had him do two internships. One is a financial analyst at a development firm and the other on the ground, boots on the ground doing construction to see both sides. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. I think it's so important. That's a great question. It's lucky to have a mentor like you. Not many kids uh, are enough to have that so well we'll, we'll 
he might disagree with you, but <laughs> when, he, when he came home and his hair was all over the place and he's sweating like crazy and you're talking about a, an athletic kid too, you know, played, uh, played football at Bergen Catholic, you know, number three in the country. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he was, he was worn out. This is that first day of construction, it was a different ball game. Becca. And I'm kind of sadistic. I liked it. You know, I was laughing. Of course, of course. Yeah, you yeah. know what? My favorite day was when my <laughs> kids did their, did their internships and came home from a day in the city and said, Wow, this is it's a lot. It's a hard wait, I left my house at six AM and I didn't get home until eight thirty. I'm tired. Yeah. I was like, I didn't was, <laughs> he was talking to his friends and a lot of them were saying, uh, I, I just can't wait to get out of college and get in the real one. He goes, Have you worked a real job yet? Yeah. I have. And I I'm good here. I'm good in college for now, you know. I'm gonna enjoy these four years. <laughs> How are you? Uh you're from tell us a little about yourself, Joe. Like um you're from, you're not from New Jersey. I, rem- I remember you, you, you got your BS. At you couldn't Tennessee. tell by the accent. I thought it was a North Jersey accent. And you, you went to, yeah. you went to all the, you hit all the key, the key Southern uh, universities, University of Tennessee, University of Memphis and University of Georgia. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, started out, start out, at, I'm a Memphian, um, a Tennessee boy and I uh, born and raised. And then after I got I got my undergrad and my master's degree in finance, I uh, never had a real estate course. And I, this is another reason I built this program. I wish you'd have been around when, when I was coming through. Uh, I was a bond analyst, a fixed income analyst at a uh, about a hundred man shop in, in Memphis. And it, the market was not very good in 2006, 2008. And, um, and the yield curve was inverted. And I, the prices were down real, in real estate. And I said, you know, this might be a time to start buying because I've always been a, a contrarian. Um, I was on an investment fund at the University of Tennessee. I was lucky enough to be there. From a, and my professor, Al Oxer, uh, was buddies with Warren Buffett. So, it, I, I, you know, I call him Al now, but uh, I still talk to him. You call him Warren year. Buffett Al? No, no, no. <laughs> I, call, I call my professor Al. Oh, okay, thing. okay. Yeah, not, not Mr. Buffett. No, it would be Mr. Sir, you know. Yeah. Um, but no, so Al Oxer is a, uh, just an amazing guy. And he taught me that value investing lifestyle. Right. And, um, and so when I started buying into real estate and started accumulating assets, I thought I may want to learn a little something here since, uh, we got a lot of money going towards these things in these houses now. And, uh, I started taking classes at the university of Memphis, uh, after I got my MBA and, and just went, went back and, and started and started investing. And I loved it because I w- I'd been stuck in front of a screen 60 to 100 hours a week. And it was, you know, a triple Bloomberg screen, Excel over here, two Bloombergs running, three screens. And I would have to ask to go to lunch, basically, because they needed me so badly. And I never saw my kids. And I thought, this is not the life for me, even though the money's excellent. And I started, I saw that real estate is half analysis, and I'm kind of a math geek, and half field work, which I like being out of the office, too. So it was that beautiful combination. And I decided to go get a PhD. I knew I wanted to get a PhD. I wanted to actually see my children and watch them grow up and not, you know, work hundred hours on a bad week. And, uh, and it, this, I went to go explore the finance options of PhDs. I saw these real estate programs and I started talking to a guy at Penn state who's actually, I believe runs a department in Wisconsin now. And, um, and, ended up being directed down to University of Georgia, an individual named Jim Call, who's kind of a legend in the business, created a lot of the mortgage-backed securities models for 
Fannie, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, the HUD, things of that nature. And with my bond background, I, he, he took me in. Uh, I was underqualified, in my opinion. He may he would probably agree with that, too. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it, that's why I shifted over to urban economics and development so, <laughs> instead of really mortgage financing. Um, but, you know, the, and I took a job here uh, about 10 years ago. We had a handful, literally three students when I got here. And the program was set up more like a sales course licensing kind of thing. And uh, that, that's just not what real estate academia is supposed to be. So I, I changed it into something that's more like Georgia, Wharton. Are they ever doing um, like residential sales? It, well, it, they, they had a licensing. There was a lot of marketing electives. It was, uh, they, we had to really up the rigor is the best way to put it. And, and then we just took another step upwards here recently with the addition of uh, Kevin Reardon, who's a former uh, Rutgers Real Estate Center director with about, he has about 25 years plus experience as a CEO of a REIT and a I fund Kevin manager. Rudin. I think I know Kevin Rudin. Oh, everybody yeah, knows him. He's a legend. Yeah, everybody knows Kevin, man. I, I said, if I, I'll, I'm going to find that one person that doesn't like you one day, Kevin. You know, it's uh, <laughs> everybody knows and loves him. But And he teaches in this master's program, too. He does the finance portion. All right. Uh, so if anybody out there is listening and doesn't like Kevin, yeah, let us know. Just touch with us. You'll win a prize. World. <laughs> we, uh, and it, hopefully you won't hear that. I want to give him too big of a head, you know, uh, <laughs> nah, he'd never be like that. He's too humble. Um, but yet long story to, to wrap it up, we've had just tremendous success here. And, you know, like I said, we've gone from three students to 120 or 130 now, uh, which makes us a very large program to be such a niche. The problem we run into is people don't even know we exist sometimes because we're not on the, the name of a, of a department or they think like you were asking, uh, that you're going to sell houses or, you know, what are you, what do you do? So that's a lot of what we do is, uh, PR wise, letting people know who we are, what we do, what the job opportunities are out there that you don't even realize. Cause we get so many finance students in their senior year coming to take one or two of my courses or on Kevin's and, and they say, I wish I'd known this was here and we could have double concentrated in finance and real estate. So that's another key target that we were going after when we created the master certificate. So what would somebody do if they're listening and they're like, oh, I'm interested. Maybe this is something that would be for me. What would be kind of easy step one to find out about it? Search engine, uh, Montclair State Real Estate Development. That'll take you exactly where you need, what the admissions requirements are, what the course structure is. There's a, a video of me on there doing an open house and explaining, walking everybody through. Uh, or you can just look up uh, real estate, Montclair State. Or no, Joe Nicholson, Montclair State. That'll come up. Joseph Nicholson, Montclair State. If you, but yeah, real estate development, Montclair State, and it, it just takes you exactly where you need to be. They've done a very good job of, of putting up, uh, it just efficient. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the word efficient and saving you time, right? Instead of sifting through a lot of things on the website. So the grad school has done a great job. The online programs. I like the uh, the picture behind you, Joe. It's. Uh... Like you said, my twin. Right? Twin, yeah. Yeah, my earlobes. My earlobes are a little off. Is that the mascot uh, of the Montclair State mascot? Yeah, that's that, no, it's my mascot now with how much weight I put on. But oh, uh, Joe, <laughs> I'll say that. <clears throat> well, are you ready for the hot seat, Joe? Uh, sounds like a no, but let's let's do it. The Hot Seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm 
that specialize in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofits, startups, and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So. They outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com. K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. Yeah, you, might take, you might have to take your vest off, it's so hot. All right. Uh, question number one, do you have a book or podcast rec and or podcast recommendation uh for academic side or, or what you you pick whatever you want yeah sure academic so side I, yeah i i the industry standard is uh what's called uh, ling and archer it's kind of the the principles of real estate and it, it really gives you an all-around look at that physical side the legal side the the quantitative side the financing everything it, it's really, really good in that aspect. That's what we use in our, our principles class. How about on the non on the non academic side? You know, I, this is funny. I don't think I've ever read a real estate non academic book. That might sound weird, right? But uh, I can give you plenty in the bond market when I was back doing that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and on the real estate side, I, I really haven't. I think it's a. I, I can't I can't stand these infomercials like come in and pay us eight hundred dollars to learn about real estate. Yeah. You know, if, if you're doing that, then you, you're not you're not doing very well business wise. You know, you're, I think it's it's a lot of those are scammy. Do you listen to any, any good podcast, Joe? Yours, obviously. Of course. Obviously. Obviously. Do you read any books for fun? Any fiction books or not? Well, you guys got to keep uh, asking me if I read. I hate reading. No. All right. Uh, okay. Let's ask more about math. Yeah. What yeah. It's, look, if I'm not if I'm not doing this, I'm either uh, doing something with my kids sports related wise or uh or watching watching sports or history channel there that's about it i'm not i'm not the, i hate to say it i'm not the biggest reader and that's probably bad as a professor that's okay but uh anyway i guess i'm a visual learner is the way what they call it now right i like the history channel too big fan yeah uh, gotta, gotta get my ancient aliens you know we've never had a professor <laughs> Dude, I would love to interview that guy. Joe, you should have came on this podcast with your hair like the guy from Ancient Aliens. Oh, uh, straight up. Mine, mine's not long enough. <laughs> let me let me grow it out a little bit, and it looks like that in the mornings. That's why it's so short now. I, mean, I look like Kramer when I wake up in the mornings with long hair, you know? there's uh, I love all the memes with the Ancient Alien guys. Oh, everything, everything's, <laughs> the answer to every question is aliens. Yeah. It's <laughs> the, the uh, Ancient Alien theorist would say. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's aliens. Um, do you have a, like, what's your most memorable, we usually ask folks, what's your most memorable deal, but what's your kind of most memorable, uh, success as a, as a professor? That's tough. I'd say my most memorable, I I got two really were ones that I were wrong about, uh, students that I thought were just stellar quantitative analysts. They're going to go take wall street by storm. And they end up doing something else. Uh, I, I've had two people go into the commercial brokerage side that I got n- numerous internships for. 
I mean, JLL, Cushman and Wakefield, Arts Mountain, you know, the, the big players. And, and they were going to be my analyst. And um, some people are just good at anything. They're just hardworking and intelligent and, and that got that right combination. And they're both doing extremely well as commercial brokers now, which I, I just, they even went behind my back and did it because they knew I was going to be upset. Because <laughs> like, I, I had a life plan for these kids, you know? Yeah, uh, it's going to be tough. You, you, you think they're going in one direction and they go. Yeah, well, they're like your own kids, right? You, you get attached, I'm sure. You, you do. They, they really are like your own. That, that's what was really neat about uh, last week. The, uh, the launch event was you saw that, that the high level guys, and then you had the people that have been out there about five years or less but from my program and a couple of others. And then the, and the people in the program now, and it really is like a fraternal organization. Almost. It's uh, I call it an honor society. You know, I, I never wanted more than a hundred students period. And I, I thought, because like we, what we're being so good at is learning the personality and matching that to the skill set in the classroom and getting them the right internships. Have you, um, another thing I forgot to ask about the program is it's, it's going to, I mean, just represented by the panel there, but are you going to be integrating and you have a lot of connections, you're going to be integrating real world companies involved? Uh, well, absolutely. That that's, that's what we wrap up with. So about a third of the real estate development course at the grad and undergrad level are us. Remember we're, we're focusing around the project manager. They're kind of the center of the wheel. And then you have the different individuals you're dealing with. So you have the construction team, you have financing, you have the local municipality, uh, it, a lot of different factors, about 10 or 12 different factors. you got to play a balancing act. I, I joke around, you'd have to be great at anything to be real estate development, but you have to be very good at a lot of things. And so what we do is we bring in somebody that's in legal, uh, like construction law, somebody that's uh, a city, city planner, director of city planning, people like that. So we usually have about eight to 10 speakers come in from different facilities and explain to them what their day's like, what, what they look for when they're dealing with a project manager and what, what to expect from that type of role. So they really need to get a feel for what that daily life is like and how, quite frankly, how not to screw up in the beginning, how not to upset someone by sending an email to a housing authority that's really relaxed when you can do that with your development buddy over here, but you, it's basically a legal contract, anything you send a municipality. So it's, it's, it's a learning process, right? But yeah, we absolutely, we are very, very integrated. Awesome. Um, in fact, I don't think, I don't think anybody on that panel except for the Hanini group was anybody that's ever spoken to one of our classes. So what do you look for? We usually ask the questions, what, what do you look for in hiring people? What, what would make a good student? Like what type of, and you mentioned the background, but what, what, what makes a successful student generally? It, it's, it's that work ethic. You know, I, I'll have some, if, if you want to be, I have brokers, will tell you, commercial brokers, very successful ones, says that grades don't really matter to them. They do matter. Don't get me wrong, because they show work ethic, right? Uh, I think SATs, things of that nature show skill set and Grades show the work ethic is the way I was taught. But at the same time, you've got that. And But if you want to be on Wall Street, you need to be a, you know, with us, a 4.0 if, if you're going to get that investment, IB investment banking job and uh, and just top of everything. Kind of, you know, the, our our 4.0 is is Harvard's 3.5, right? So and right. that, uh, you know, the, the scale like weight. 
So it just depends on what you want to, what you want to do. Some of, some of the jobs you have to be highly, highly quantitative. Um, you also see a lot of people in those roles though, that can't speak to people mm. that don't know how to communicate. And that holds them back in investment banking and development. You have to have a certain personality set. So I think the work ethic, the personality set, uh, I'll say this, I don't care what you're doing in real estate, how specialized you are. You have to be able to multitask. You have to, that's just, you're going to, you're going to drown. If you can't do that, you're going to learn quick. That's the best way to put it. Compartmentalize things as best you can and, and be able to work on the fly. Even though you got a plan for that day, you play, your plan is not going to happen. It just isn't in real estate. So, so you may get half of what you want it done if you're lucky. And that's the same way in the bond business though, too. Right. It feels like at the end of the day, sometimes you have more than when you started the day. You're I, like, wait, I, I used answer. to hate, I used to have nightmares at an in, at an in and an out stack, right? This is like 15 years ago. And it, it just seemed like this one grew and then it goes down a little bit. It's a little higher. It's like, it, it grows every day. It was like a, like a monster. Like I was having nightmares, you know, as a little kid or something. I, I do not miss that stack of requests, you know, <laughs> research requests. So the name of this podcast is the Impact Real Estate Podcast. How do you envision this certificate you're teaching impacting the world and, 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 and your students and the real estate world? Let's just start at a, at a micro level with northern New Jersey, where we are, where I am. Right? Um, we've always said that we want to own our backyard. Our goal isn't to compete against Rutgers. You know, we're good friends with them, but their endowed chairs is a good friend. Um, but we want to be the specialist in northern New Jersey is what we want to be. And this is what we're doing. Again, we're taking kids and putting them out there and breaking that seal on the real estate development industry and getting them those jobs, getting their feet in the door. And that helps us get other kids into those positions, right? Um, and it, again, it's just so specialized and it's a tough nut to crack. Moving further out though, the program does focus on the country as a whole. I mean, most most guys, everybody on that panel that we had, Chris owns, uh, has real estate, major real estate plays of at least eight figures, you know, nine figures, maybe even 10 uh, outside of the state of New Jersey. But getting to the point, uh, training in a specialization like this in real estate development, when really I, I can show you the numbers, it is the most important industry in the state of New Jersey. I've never seen a state where the economic impact is so closely tied to commercial real estate that, that I've ever lived in or, or talked to people at other centers and things of that nature. And, um, and it just, the, the EDA makes the economic, I'm sorry. Yeah. The economic development authority, the NJEDA makes more dollar return, sorry, more return on investment per dollar investing in real estate development projects than anything else. Right. So it's, it's just the economic driver in this state. You can talk about the lost pharmaceutical industry. You can talk about logistics and transportation. I, you can talk about medical device that, devices. That's, that's big here in New Jersey. And, and, the, but where is it housed? Right. Where's where's why do you think industrial is so hot in New Jersey and has been for a long time? Because Wall Street wants their data centers across the Hudson River instead of in Iowa, because it means microseconds mm -hmm. of, of trading trading data and getting the gym and making money. And, and with the logistics, like I said, logistics, I mean, what second one? I doubt it. We may be the largest port in the country. It's us or L.A. I don't know, but exactly. But the warehousing side 
the retail side. I've never seen anything like retail in northern New Jersey. I mean, go to I, I, go to Bergen County. Yeah, the malls? The Secaucus Mall? Are you talking about the Secaucus Mall? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's about Bergen County, for one. You know, one of the – It's I think it's that and Beverly Hills, right? So, right, yeah. I'm not saying it's Beverly Hills. I'm saying I, it's like nobody works in this state. There's a secret I don't know about. Nobody's just spending money all the time. <laughs> but, but it ties into everything. This this kind of training, these kinds of programs are needed, and there's so much demand for these these students. And but there's not enough supply. It just isn't. There is a uh, there is a lack of talent at that level. I think that, I don't know if it was COVID or something, but there seems to be like a gap. So yeah, COVID was rough academically. It it um we really had to learn how to pivot and and change our our thinking as academics because uh, I, I and I told these kids this. I'm not putting anybody down, but like you know, last year's class coming out, it, it was tough finding jobs for because they weren't prepared. And of course, you, you blame yourself for that, right? If you're a good teacher, I think you do. But COVID was such a tough, tough learning environment. Um, it, it just doesn't absorb. It's hard to keep. It's hard to keep people on Zoom paying attention. Yeah, I don't blame myself. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you're not teaching. Oh, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Joe, you're a great guy. I mean, it's been amazing getting to know you and working with you. And, and like, I love Montclair State. It's a super diverse campus too so you have a huge economic backgrounds there like i mean right it's just yeah we we, we're what like top 15 or 10 in the country in social mobility like basically you how well you do versus what your parents did financially uh we we look they'll some people tell you we are a we're not a commuter school anymore uh we are not first generation to go to college but still that's that's half our student base and, and I'm quite frankly, I'm proud of that. Uh, not to be too graphic, but first time we went to a real estate development competition, we were the only one with anybody that wasn't white on our team. Uh, we were the only, there was one other female student other than us. And we just picked by who were the best students. And, and it, it was like a cornucopia of diversity. It was, I was, I was very proud. I was very proud. So. And you know what? The grit that those students develop through their life and getting there. And the you know, it's interesting, we're, we're doing a search now where we have a lot of really highly successful women as candidates. And I've said to some of the younger girls on our team, like, you know what? When you get on the phone with them, you should thank them because these are the women that are making it easier. These are the diverse folks that are making it easier for everybody else to kind of break in and pave the way. So, you know, it takes a lot of grit and hard work. So, I would bet on those students any day of the year. We generally have anywhere from 30 to 50% female enrollment in the, in the concentration. And that's why I, every time I ask a, a really successful former female student to come back and speak, in fact, I asked one at the event and she's like, I just don't feel comfortable with that. Got to get over that, get over that, you know? And, and if, if you want to break those barriers, you got to be tough and you're tougher than, than the, the guys that are out there. But uh, quite- oh yes, you do. Send her my way. I'll 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 work with her. A little yeah, bit. I now I got <laughs> I've got plenty. She's doing real well. But the problem, I said, you know, I got you your job, and you still can't come to speak at one event for me for the female students. But uh, there's a lot of good resources like commercial real estate women in New Jersey and and things of that nature. But look to the diversity aspect. We people don't understand, and I didn't even understand until I got here what diversity was. You know, being from the South, there's not a ton of diversity, quite frankly. And um, 
and seeing these seeing these kids come through and not realize they've got a skill set that somebody's looking for because they're Dominican or or uh, or Arab or whatever else and can work in certain communities where they'll be, they'll be trusted more than I would. Right. That's that's a major, major thing to deal with in the Northeast. Yeah. Right. Diversity. I mean, New Jersey is a very diverse state. New York's New York's obviously very diverse. And that's one of the reasons. Yeah, I love that. I love working with Montclair State is the diversity of, I mean, I, like I said, I had friends that went there growing up. And so I know it pretty well. And it's very, yeah, economically diverse camp, campus. I mean, you have people from all swaths of life um, and it's, it's very merit-based. And if I say one thing, we, so we work with a lot of, um, a lot of programs like the Newark All-Stars. Um, the, we have a business and entrepreneurship learning academy in the summer with the Montclair High School and Patterson students and and things of that nature. Uh, so we talk about diversity, right? Montclair is ex- ex- one of the most wealthy towns in the country, like top 40, I think. And and then you've got Patterson, which had some rough times since the silk factory shut down years ago. Um, shut down in 18, and, it shut down in 1890, Joe. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> right, 100 years ago. And uh, the rich people survived for another 50 years or so with their money, but then they moved out, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, silk Road is not what it used to be. But, um, but yeah, so getting to that, we try to recruit these kids. I'm trying all the time to get those kids that are going to have to work their way through college, get them scholarship. I'm on all the scholarship committees. It's like Christmas Day. We get to do those. It feels so good rewarding those kids. And uh, and you know who needs them. And and um, I get the best ways. My, my kid's going to come out poor, hungry, and driven, not to use too much of a cliche. <laughs> they, they work their way all through college. And they could have – my top ten could have been Ivy League. They just no way they can afford the funding. So yeah, and that's why I enjoy putting my top ten against everybody else's top ten. A little old Montclair State, right? That's a great. I love those PhDs. Poor, hungry, and driven. They make I the got best, plenty of them. best best. Staff. I got plenty of them, and and we try to instill that mentality in everyone though in our program. And some people may try to get away from that. Why would you? But like, why would you ever want to get away from that mentality? Right. Why wouldn't you want to just be a, a an a, like better word a dog? every day and just go out and, and attack the world, you know? So without a doubt, I wish I somebody had done that with me. Well, Joe, you're a great guy. It's been great getting to know you. Thanks for coming on the podcast.